Well, good morning, LCM. Today is October 4, 2020, and this sermon is going to be full of ups and downs, twists and turns, valleys and peaks. Your stomach is going to churn as we go through this roller coaster ride of a message. In fact, it's a good thing you're a few hours past breakfast, and lunch will not occur until after the message is done. This morning, we're going to open up the entry to this sermon with the title, Throwing Up. Oh yeah, I said it. Throwing Up. Everyone turn to Isaiah chapter 35, verse 1, and you're going to say throwing up whenever you get there. Throwing up. Throwing up. There we go. <laughs> Isaiah 35, 1. The desert and parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Say hands. Steady the knees, say knees, that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Oh, I couldn't help but read this verse, this passage in Isaiah, and recount the days of my youth. When I, oh yeah, oh yeah, the good days of my youth. The ones that would bring me upon a theme park. A theme park filled with all kind of rides, right? You remember those days? An excitement that would build inside of you? It it follows a progression of what we read here in Isaiah 35. You hear about the news, you're going to go to an amusement park. You're glad, right? Days approach, you begin to rejoice. You're in the car ride. You're rejoicing greatly. You get to the gates of the amusement park and you are shouting for joy. There's a reason why. See, every park had some type of colossal, towering roller coaster ride. I remember the days of looking forward to riding the Grease Lightning. Oh, yeah. Fun Fair Park, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. No longer exists. Nothing about a parking lot now. The Batman, the Superman. Back in the days in San Antonio, there was the Wooden Rattler, now known as the Iron Rattler. These were the reasons why you came to the park in the first place. Well, you know what it was like. You got the armband on. You go through the entrance. Forget the kitty rides. Man, forget that tilt-a-whirl. I want nothing to do with those carnival, carnival games. All those things are for guys that had girlfriends. So I headed right to the roller coaster ride. (laughs) So you walked in and your anticipation was for that one colossal towering ride because it was full of excitement. You paid your entrance fee to enjoy the exciting ride of a roller coaster's ups and downs, twists and turns, valleys and peaks, near coming to the near point of throwing up, and then you do it all over again. That's why you paid that extra $2.50 to have the armband that will let you go as many times as you could. 
That monetary value is much more these days. There was a moment, though. You remember this moment. You're going to climb into the passenger car, that roller coaster, and everything becomes real. I mean, you've been waiting in line for an hour and a half, chatting it up. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do this, man. I'm going to ride this ride. You get right up to where it's you and someone else, and you got to take that step forward. Oh, man, the thrill of it all just causes your heart to be in the race. You can feel your pulse in your, in your toes. Your stomach rises into your heart. You can't back out of this exciting ride now. Oh, man, you can't, you can't face that walk of shame as you go to the exit and bypassing that, that passenger car. Well, everybody's watching. You got a hundred people behind you in line. They're all anticipating waiting to go through this. You can't walk past their gazing eyes and face the fact that you're a coward. You can't leave the ice. You can't turn away. You can't apostatize the faith. You can't put yourself in the place of exile. You're standing on the outside with a, a thing of cotton candy watching all your friends ride the ride of excitement. You can't walk past the height requirement of 42 inches, towering over it, knowing that your very soul hasn't even risen up to that height yet. Oh, there's even a little girl standing in line. She's excited. She stands at a towering 42 and a half inches. And on the inside, she's still a good foot taller than you are. Oh, but you muster the courage. You know that you paid good money. I mean, you worked all day cutting grass to pay the fare to get into this ride. And this is why you showed up. So you step forward. You overcome it. You sit down. You pull the safety bar across your lap. And you take a deep breath, right? Everybody take a deep breath. Just imagine climbing in that car. Now, I'm locked in. I can't get out. It's set. It's real. The roller coaster slowly takes off. There's that first, you know, jolt. Blah. You, know, you get a whiplash. Slowly make that turn. There it goes. Up the first ascent. Clickety-clack. 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 It's like a mechanical version of the Jaws theme. Da-dun-da-dun. Clickety-clack. Clickety-clack. And you reach up to that highest ascent. Your hands get a little feeble. You know, you go to grab that bar and you can't squeeze it hard enough and they still slip off. Your knees are turning to jello. You're doing all you can to press your knees up against the bar just to make sure you feel secure. But when you do, your knees give way and then you start start melting to your seat. Right? If you're like me, as you approach that apex of that highest ascent, the name of Jesus just begins to roll off your tongue. I don't mean once, I mean a hundred times per second. I wasn't even born again, and I was crying out the name of Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, there's my house. Jesus, 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 Jesus. You were looking for salvation at any point because that bar across your lap just ain't going to cut it. Oh, man, it's at this point where your older sibling looks over at you and says, Be strong. Do not fear. Maybe they didn't. I know mine didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, they said, says something much, much different. Quit it, and then whatever follows that. But nevertheless, there's some form of encouragement to conquer your fear in that moment. 
Maybe if your sibling was like mine, they lean over and said, hey, no one has died on this ride in years. <laughs> You're inspecting every bolt. Uh, if you were like me riding the wooden rattler in San Antonio, you're hearing every creak and studying every split inside of the wooden structure. I don't know what's going to happen here. But here's a question I want to ask you. What made something so terrifying, so scary, enjoyable? Because in the end, you know, you, you really didn't die. It's because you had faith in the outcome. There's an attitude of though you're reaching that apex and fear is beginning to grip you, you have the attitude, yet will I live. Come on, we feel like we're going to die in the moment, but we didn't. You're watching people get off the ride as you're ascending and they're still living. That no matter what, there's a surety. There's a certainty that the outcome would land at a place of safety, land at a place of salvation. This is what we just read in Isaiah 35. Your God will come with vengeance, divine retribution to do what? To save you. When we begin to exalt the character of God over our circumstances, it allows us to rejoice in his salvation. We see the outcome. We know how it's going to end. Our trust in the Lord gives us strength to raise up our hands, to throw up our hands during the ups and downs. And it steadies our knees against the surety of who he is. Come on right now, everybody throw up your hands. Raise them up. You're on that ride. No, your knees are locked in. It's that uncertainty. What are you going to do? We're shouting at the top of our lungs with joy as we descend into the next dilemma. As we get ready for the next tide and turn. Because we know that we will rise out of it in the name of Jesus. That's not where it ends. The whole point of it is this. The ups and downs, the twists and turns, the valleys and peaks. They're there for your excitement. What excitement would there be in a roller coaster that never has any change? (laughs) that's called a long drive through the deserts that's what that is nobody wants it nobody pays for an unchanging roller coaster ride they want the excitement and thrill of the greatest amount of change see these things are meant to be invigorating and life-giving and truth is like last sunday we do live in unsteady times but we can rejoice because we know how it's going to end When you have eyes that can see how things are going to end, the unsteady times actually become exciting times. There's a certainty. There's a surety. Knowing how an exciting ride is going to end allows you to enjoy the thrill of all the unknowns. Wasn't that the most exciting part of a new roller coaster? No one ever been on it before. You've never experienced it. There's all these new things that are going to happen, and someone engineered there to be excitement as you rode from start to finish. Let's read Isaiah 35 again and start in verse 1 because we want to grasp exactly what the Lord is telling us this morning. The desert and the parched land will be glad. It will be glad because it knows the outcome. It knows the end. The wilderness will do what, saints? And blossom because it knows the end. 
Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom because it knows the end. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy because it knows the end and the outcome. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God, because they know the outcome. They know what's at the end. For almost 3,000 years, saints have been on this exciting ride. Saints have been certain of what they couldn't see, sure in what they hoped for. Rejoicing while on the exciting ride, those hands that are thrown up, rejoicing and shouts of joy coming out. And for that very reason, this is what the ancients were commended for. They threw their hands up. They began to shout with joy in the exciting ride of ups and downs and twists and turns. Verse 3 continues in Isaiah 35. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful, another interpretation is anxious heart. Be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. If you take this 3,000 year old advice, come on man, you can enjoy the ride. You can relax, you can have a good time, you can throw your hands up, you can let shouts of joy come out of your mouth. This is how our forefathers and men of God of faith have done it for thousands of years. If you're in the position of not knowing how the exciting ride is going to end, but you want to, there's a model. Not a part-time model, a full-time model. A model that you can imitate, and that being in King Solomon. So let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 8, and we'll look at verse 54. Say, throwing up whenever you get there. (laughs) When Solomon had finished all these prayers and supplications to the Lord, he rose from before the altar of the Lord, where he'd been kneeling with his hands spread out toward heaven. See, God has commissioned Solomon to fulfill a great vision of building a temple. Wouldn't you say that's a great vision? Solomon knows that they're about to experience ups and downs, twists and turns, and he actually does something about it as the leader of Israel. Through prayers and supplications, kneeling and spreading out his hands towards heaven, Solomon is seeking the Lord for the ultimate outcome. Say that with me. Say, ultimate outcome. When we start from a place of submission and trust, our feeble hands are then strengthened and knees that give way are steadied. We have the certainty of the ultimate outcome to throw up our hands and let joy resound in the tents of the righteous. There we go. Hey, I just want to ask, whenever you throw up your hands and begin to let shouts of joy come out, is that usually on the ascent or the descent? That's on the descent, right? There's that change in altitude, that queasiness of stomach, and you feel like you want to throw up. But instead, you are embracing the exciting ride of what will come about in the end. You'll be able to enjoy it and walk away scratch-free. See, when we are obtaining the certainty of the ultimate outcome, it becomes a vital part of knowing how to be enlivened in the midst of chaos. You know where this is evident? In our yearly One Association Conference. Come on, every year, 
We, we know it now. We're trained. We're experienced veterans. There's to be expected that the most insane, the craziest of chaos fills the days and weeks prior to the conference. Isn't this true? We've got car wrecks. We got shipwrecks into faith. We got strange, unexplainable illnesses. Doctors can't figure out what it is, but it's all there. Something that you have to experience and go through. Look, these can all be stressful events, twisting your stomach into knots, but that's not what God intended them to be. He intended them to be for your enjoyment as part of an exciting ride that displays his lordship, provision, and divine divine direction. Like I mentioned earlier, there's an engineer who designed that thrilling ride, that exciting ride. It was designed for, for there to be changed so that you would lift up your hands, you would throw up your hands, and begin to rejoice at what the designer was making. Woo! Yeah. Well, I, didn't, I didn't see all the hands go up. Let's do that one more time. Throw your hands up! Yeah! That's what I'm talking about. Come on. The attitude every time we go through the One Association Conference is that we're still here. We're still alive. We're still growing. Our lives haven't come to an end yet. We're still rejoicing because we know that this year's conference is going to end with shouts of joy. It's going to end on a note that is leaving us in a better position than we ever have been before that point. You can always tell, though, on a ride when there's a veteran roller coaster rider. I mean, no fear at all. They strut in. They sit down in the seat. They're laughing and cutting up. The beginning of the ride, what do they do? I mean, b- before you really even begin your ascent, they throw their hands up. Throw your hands up. There you go. This is exactly what a veteran rider does. They begin to rejoice. They take up the charismatic Christian roller coaster ride position. I can hear announcers say that, right? Right now, please take up the charismatic Christian roller coaster ride position and be secure in it. When you have this ability to stand in the midst of chaos and throw your hands up and rejoice really before any change begins, it shows that you are demonstrating an absolute knowledge of the final outcome. Y'all want to practice it? Well, we've done it so many times. Let's do it again. Everybody throw your hands up. Well, keep them up. Keep them up. All right. Here comes a dip. What do we say? Yay! There's a turn coming. What do we say? Oh, there's a fall coming. What do we say? This is how you enjoy an exciting ride. This is how you throw your hands up. When you possess the ultimate outcome, you then become a source of inspiration for other people. You're helping them experience the exciting ride just as you are. What this practically looks like is leading from a place of immovable joy. Greatly rejoicing in trials because you know how it's going to end and you want those you are leading to know this truth as well. Come on, let's start with the heads of the households. Husbands, the way that you lead your homes. You lead it with an immovable joy. You're throwing your hands up in the midst of trials. You're letting joy fill the tents of your own house. This brings an inspirational leadership to the rest of your household. I watched my wife 
faithfully and diligently follow my joyful immovability. I mean, those times when I don't know what to do and I feel all the pressure that I need to have every detail worked out, I begin to throw up my hands. I begin to rejoice and my wife is right there beside me. She joins me as a good easer. The, the, the 22 uh, years that we have been married, I have watched God design this perfect easer for me. Months before we were married, in the middle of worship, with both of our hands up, I remember seeing an image of Cassidy and who she would become. You know what my joy is? It's who she now is. Oh, it didn't happen overnight, but it did happen. And because I knew the certainty of the outcome, on a daily basis, I could raise up my hands and know that God was going to perfect me and perfect my wife, and that together we would be a joyfully immovable couple. Well, that extended to my family as well, all my four girls. And it's what they're now functioning in. That as parents, we're enjoying the exhilarating, adventurous stage of raising teenagers. Yeah! Twists and turns! There we go. Come on, like those rides that make the loop up and back down around again. As parents of teenage girls, we're enjoying the excitement of menstrual cycles. The effects of acne. The twists and turns of moodiness. And the de-escalating altitude of attitude and it's enjoyable it's what god does yes exactly you'll get your workout this morning me and my wife are able to enjoy this stage along the way because we know how it's going to end oh man what a joy it was for me to walk my daughter down the aisle to see natalie right here i lifted up my hands and i went yes I rejoiced because I knew that this is where we were going to end. Well, that we are raising up powerful men and women of God that know how to be joyfully immovable leaders and joyfully immovable easers. Well, wives, let me speak to you and how you are leading and shepherding your children. That you're, you have before you the ability to see the ultimate outcome in the midst of the ups and downs of raising adults. Throwing up your hands multiple times a day because you know how it's going to end. And throwing up your hands because you have the ability to rejoice in what will be inside of your children. Come on, the eighth time that you have to discipline, you have to spank them for something they did wrong. Throw up your hands, mamas, and you begin to rejoice. Thank you, mighty God, for what they will become. This is elevating your perspective to see your little bundle of joy Grow up into an oak of righteousness. That's where they're going to land. See, look, like Solomon kneeling before the Father and hands that were spread out, your prayers and supplications will result in being strengthened to enjoy the exciting ride that God has put you on. It will give you the strength to throw up your hands and rejoice in what will be a certain outcome. See, your goal is not to just endure it. Seeing it as a burden, seeing it as a weight. Your goal is to enjoy it. Say enjoy it. Enjoy it. See, throwing up your hands and kneeling before the Father with excitement and shouts of joy is the engineered design and goal of the exciting ride. Yeah. 
So turn with me now to Ezra chapter 9. We'll pick up in verse 4. Say, throwing up whenever you're there. Ivy, you can say throwing up. Throwing up. Yes. Ezra 9, 4. Then everyone who trembled at the words of God of Israel gathered around me because of this unfaithfulness of the exiles. I sat there appalled until the evening sacrifice. Then at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my self-abasement with my tunic and cloak torn and fell on my knees with my hands spread out to the Lord my God and prayed. See, Ezra encounters a sharp turn in the roller coaster ride of returning the exiles back to Israel. These are men who declared to be, who were declared to be less than 42 inches tall. These were men who were more than 42 inches tall on the outside, but less than 42 inches on the inside. Look, some, some of these guys have been thrown off the ride and some had just become exiles altogether didn't see the ride as exhilarating. Instead, they saw the ride as excruciating. See, nothing changed about the ride. It was them who were different. They envisioned God as executing them, not enabling them to enjoy the exciting ride. In fact, they went and found a foreign girl at the concession stand and decided to defect God's exciting ride. You you witnessed this before. This may have even been you at some point. You get on the ride. You're full of fear. It's gripping you. And you find some alternative excuse to exit off the ride. Oh, look, look. I know that girl. She's really fine. Yep. I'm going to hop off the ride right now, run to the concession stand, and just chatter up a little bit. But all your friends know that you found a distraction because you're less than 42 inches tall on the inside. See, the people of Israel including the priests and the Levites. They have intermarried with the enemies of God, with these foreign brides, and they joined their detestable practices. Ezra learns of this, and he is appalled. He's sinking into his seat. There's a sudden drop in altitude, a rapid descent from receiving favor from the king, from receiving safe passage in their journey to Jerusalem. At this moment, his hands become feeble, and his knees begin to give way. He is bowed before the Lord to repent and then intercede for his family, Israel. He needed to know the ultimate outcome of God's will. His nation, their generations, and his leadership actually depended upon it. Let's read verse 5 again. Then at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my self-abasement. With my tunic and coat torn, I, and fell on my knees with my hands spread out. He threw up his hands, saying, he began to rejoice and beckon before his God. And said, so I want you to notice something, what Ezra called it. He called it self-abasement. See, he rose up from this because he raised his hands, and by doing so, he was raising his spirit. You've experienced this. We said, imagine that there are strings attached from your thumb to the corners of your mouth on each side. And as you raise up your hands, come on, raise up your hands. It's lifting up your smile. It's enabling you to rejoice in the name of Jesus. 
What Ezra did is that he began to elevate his enjoyment of the exciting ride. It accelerated his excitement. It gave altitude to his attitude. That's what we need. He needed the strength of heaven to hold firmly to God's word. And the surety found in the ultimate outcome. You see, through his prayer and supplication, he found the strength of heaven. One that would enable him to enjoy the exciting ride because he was sure of what he could not see. He had evidence of what must be done. What at first would be appalling would turn into exciting. An exciting ride for the exiles who would no longer be exiles. There's a transformation. There was a change. They would be men and women of righteousness on the exciting ride of faith. That's what God is doing in this house. We're no longer exiles. We're men and women of righteousness on the exciting ride of faith. Aren't you glad to be on this ride? Aren't you rejoicing that you're on this ride? Aren't you greatly rejoicing on this ride? Are there shouts of joy because you're on this ride? That's what I'm talking about. You see, every once in a while, a theme park builder creates a roller coaster of epic proportion. I mean, it gets talked about, it gets circulated to where it's of mythical proportion and status. I mean, this one reaches into the stratosphere. Planes have to go around its apex. You talk about it in the car ride to the park. Talk about it when you're standing in line to enter the park. You talk about it while waiting to board the ride, right? It's all you can think about. See, Daniel, Daniel was on this kind of exciting and epic ride. He was boarding something called the Babylonian behemoth. Oh, as a a ride never seen up to its day, larger than life. And God was sharing with him what the outcome, the ultimate outcome would be. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 10 and we'll start in verse 7. Throw up your hands whenever you get there. Oh, we'll do it one more time. Give you guys a few seconds. One, two, three. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Daniel 10, 7. I, Daniel, was the one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it. But such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. These exiles. Yep, chatting it up with the foreign girl at the concession stand. So I was left alone. Gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale. And I was helpless. So let me put this together. No strength left. Right? Deathly pale and helpless. Uh, this sounds like the temporary symptoms of being on an exciting ride. (laughs) You go through a few twists and turns. All my energy is gone. I can't even sit up straight. You know, the the G-forces are slinging me from side to side. I'm in the cold cart by myself, and I'm just rolling from one side of the, the seat to the other. My face is deathly pale, and I'm just completely helpless. I'm like a rag doll, right? Well, I want you to remember something. Daniel signed up for this. Whenever you're on that ride, you signed up for this. It's why you bought the ticket in the first place. 
That's why you handed your season pass through the fence to your best friend so that he could come in too without costing more. Hypothetically, if that happens. That's why you hold, that's why you showed up in the first place to ride the Babylonian behemoth. Well, let's see how this continues in verse nine. Then I heard him speaking. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you are, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. See, Daniel is staring at the enormity of God's plan. He is being told that he is highly esteemed. It's time for him to stand up and show esteem for God's exciting ride. It's time for him to throw up his hands and begin to rejoice in the exciting ride. Now you're catching on. In the process of receiving a great vision, Daniel goes from being weak, pale, helpless, face down in a deep sleep, then to trembling on hands and knees, and that finally trembling while standing. He is overwhelmed by the exciting ride, and then he is strengthened. He's strengthened to stand up, and as the hand of the messenger of God is placed upon him, he is then able to rise, to throw up his hands, to begin to see the goodness of God in the midst of the exciting ride. I want you to remember something. I want you to remember when you're enjoying the ride and you throw your hands up, hands come down to strengthen you. As we are obedient and trusting God's character by throwing our hands up, hands from the heavenly throne will reach down to strengthen your frame. They will strengthen your resolve. You're not helpless. You're not pale. You are not without strength. God is waiting for you just to Throw up your hands and begin to rejoice. In light of being on that Babylonian behemoth, when you feel like throwing up, throw up your hands instead. Come on, man. There's nothing more shameful sometimes than getting off a ride and you got vomit all over you. And if you just would have thrown up your hands and begin to rejoice, none of that would have happened. So conquer that feeling of nauseousness and throwing up with just throwing up your hands. That's a good word. <laughs> Remember how on roller coasters they always put the pictures that are taken during the ride, right? That's right, right there where the gift shop is. Everybody in the park can look at them. So you never know where that camera is going to be. They do a great job of making it inconspicuous so that you don't have to, you know, pose and get ready for it the thrill of the ride is already everything you're experiencing and these pictures will be shown for all of eternity i still remember in my mind right now of seeing pictures of other people's faces 10 15 years ago it's burned in my mind how much more than the pictures that are taken when we stand before god and it lasts for an eternity See, in Daniel's story, the preceding verses that come after this detail how the angel encourages him with the ultimate outcome. But let's skip down to verse 15, and we want to see Daniel's response. While he was saying this to me, 
I bowed with my face toward the ground and was speechless. The one who looked like a man touched my lips and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I'm overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. The reality of this ride, like Daniel's experience, begins to hit you in the gut. It's taking your breath away. It's leaving you speechless. But this is exactly what you paid for. That's why you're on the ride in the first place. This is what makes it exciting. This is what separates those who are less than 42 inches on the inside from those who are towering giants into eternity. The product of your persistent prayer has now arrived. The revelation of the great vision is before you. The ultimate outcome is being revealed. It's bigger. It's more exciting. It's more exhilarating. It's more exalted than you ever imagined. It's a breathtaking vision, so much that your heart races and you lose the ability to speak. It's an ecstatic experience. The reason the Lord revealed his will to Daniel and to you was for enjoyment. To enable you to have that ultimate outcome, producing the will and strength to throw up your hands, rejoice because the hands of heaven are going to come down and strengthen you to do it. See, the Lord was equipping him with the ability to rejoice in the exciting ride. Let's look further in verse 18. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. And what does he say? Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed. Peace. Be strong now. Be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, speak, my Lord, since... You have given me strength. That's the certain outcome that everybody in this room is going to get to that point where you're looking at the Lord and saying, Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. I'm ready to hear what the next step is in your exciting ride. I'm ready to throw up my hands and rejoice because my God has touched my hands and given me strength. You see, because Daniel was committed to seeking the face of God, God was committed to strengthening Daniel to do his will and enjoy the exciting ride. At this point, the Lord touches Daniel three times to strengthen him. How many times do you need a touch from the presence of the Lord to strengthen your bodies? Direct your speech. Give you. His breath of life to enjoy the exciting ride. It's as many times as it takes. We have a faithful father who is looking to strengthen us as we throw up our hands to him. See, the angel, if you notice, is strengthening Daniel with correction first. He's saying, do not be afraid. Next, the angel is strengthening Daniel with supporting affirmation. You who are highly esteemed. And lastly, the angel is strengthening Daniel with direction. He's saying, Shalom. Be in right order with me and men. Be strong, not later. Be strong now. Be strong again. This is the word that God is speaking to us, church. We have a confidence that it's going to be an exciting ride because we know how it's going to end. That we exalt the Lord in the process of this ride and we enjoy the path that he has actually laid out for us. Who is in control? He is. 
So therefore, what are we going to do? Throw our hands up to him and expect to be strengthened by him. Look, church, we're all familiar with the book of Job. We know how it begins. We know how it ends. Our familiarity with how the story ends, it actually allows us to enjoy the exciting ride of Job's life, right? We benefit from his experience, and we find instruction and support during our own times of twists and turns. When reading the book of Job, we know how to enjoy the ride. But you know who didn't? Job. You know who else didn't? His friends. So let's turn to Job chapter 4 and see what one of his friends has to say. Say, throwing up, whatever you did. Throw it up. Job 4, verse 1. Then Eliphaz, the Temanite, replied, If someone ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? But who can keep from speaking? Think how you have instructed many, how you have strengthened feeble hands. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. You see, what Eliphaz is doing here is he's reminding Job how Job has instructed and supported others in the past. He's reminding him of his own counsel. See, those are the moments when your instruction to others are now ministering to you. I can't tell you how many times that me and my wife have done marriage counseling, and the very thing that we're sharing with the couple is exactly what we needed at the moment. It was beginning to cause my arms to be strengthened, my knees to be strengthened, enable me to raise up my hands, to throw them up and rejoice. Thank you, mighty God, for reminding me of your counsel that you gave through me to them, but now it's coming back to me. It's the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, this happens in discipleship too. How many times have you been sitting around, you're pouring into someone the very thing that you need right there on the spot? You see, brother, what the Lord wants you to do is, I'm really talking about me too. I want to share with you something that was a gem that I found here in Job 4. The word instructed means to correct or discipline. The word supported is defined as cause to stand. So I saw a correlation to this passage as it relates to Isaiah 35, dealing with hands and knees. And this is how. Correction and discipline is how you strengthen your feeble hands. In this way, it instructs you how to grasp the revelation of God's ultimate outcome. When we begin to relinquish, to relax our hands on God's ultimate outcome, discipline and correction helps us re-grip what God's ultimate outcome really is. It can, it can feel and very much take the place of like a jolting course correction. And it brings you back to the goal of God's ultimate outcome. It's an exciting thing to endure. It's an exciting thing to participate in. Because it is bringing life to your feeble hands. See, a dive into the divine depths of God's design can help you gain sober judgment of your state. That's what discipline and correction does. It brings you back to life. It brings strength back to your hands to grasp the revelation of God's ultimate outcome. The second word that we talked about was supported. 
See, what strengthens my faltering knees is when I receive words that cause me to stand. It's what gives me strength in my legs. As skinny as they may be, they still depend upon God's word to cause them to stand. But I want to share something with you. It's not just words from angels. Church, my knees are strengthened by words from you. I need these words from you. The moments in the word that we see the angels are giving, given words. It's because there were no other brothers around at the moment. But look around you. Everybody look to your left. Look to your right. You are surrounded by the family of God. Yeah! yeah! Come on, raise up your hands. That's something to rejoice in. Because what you have next to you on your right and left and in front of you and behind you are those that will reach down with a heavenly word to strengthen your hands as you throw your hands up. Come on, when I am throwing my hands up towards heaven, hands reach down and strengthen me. And more importantly, your hands reach down and strengthen me. This relationship is a two-way street. We're riding in this roller coaster ride together. I need your hands to strengthen my hands. And you need mine as well. When my hands are being thrown up, they're gaining some altitude. It is giving exhilarating strength to my attitude. When with hands thrown up, my attitude is gaining elevation. It is getting a better perspective. I can not only see my house from here, I can see the end of what God is doing. And I can begin to have shouts of joy because I know how this is going to end. This looks like moments whenever the word of God through you speaks to me. And it says, Matt, you're a man of God. You need to stand up. You need to act on my word. This is who I made you. This is what I will do through you. Do not let your hands become feeble, but instead throw them up to me and I will strengthen them. I'm going to remind you who you are. These are your Abigail traits. These are the 12 gates that declare who you are. These are the prophetic words that I have said and I have not retracted from them. I'm going to complete my work inside of you. Just throw up your hands to me and let rejoicing come out of your mouth. Gain some altitude in your attitude and trust that God will finish what he started. If you ever been on a roller coaster and every person is terrified, they're full of anxiety, it makes it an excruciating experience. You're looking around and everybody is throwing up on themselves, but nobody's throwing up their hands. But when everyone is full of excitement, they're throwing up their hands in joyful anticipation. You can all enjoy the exciting ride and actually look forward to doing it again and again and again. This is a solution that God has given us. That we find strength in our hands and knees when we begin to throw up our hands to him. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Say throwing up whenever you get there. There you go. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
You see, church, like Solomon, like Ezra, like Daniel, we're going to pursue God's ultimate outcome through prayer and petition and joyful expectation of God's exciting ride. We're going to throw up our hands in anticipation that God is going to strengthen them. We will throw up our hands in prayer and petition, letting thanksgiving erupt out of our hearts, expecting with certainty that the shalom of God will rule over our own thinking. It will dominate our emotions and we will enjoy the exciting ride because we know how it ends. You see, knowing how it's going to end is the very thing that guards your heart during the exciting ride. Anxiousness and fear are then replaced with confident, faith-filled actions of obedience. We elevate in every situation. We throw up our hands. Come on, throw up your hands. In excitement. And heavenly hands strengthen our hands and knees. That This is what enjoying the faith walk actually looks like. Let me read to you Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for. And assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. How can you be confident? How can you be assured? It's because you know how it's going to end. It's the very thing that makes it an exciting ride. The ancients have done it. They have demonstrated throwing up their hands, trusting God to strengthen them. So they do it. Therefore, we can do it. But I want you to know something. If the ride is excruciating, it's because you're not enjoying it in faith. If the ride is exhilarating, it's because faith is present and you know that the outcome is certain. You're not shaken. You're not moved. You are joyfully immovable with hands that are thrown up to heaven because strength is filling them as you do so. Church, it's our responsibility to seek the Lord for the ultimate outcome and trust Him in it. You should show that you know the outcome is your enjoyment, it's your excitement, because you're showing that the divine design is there to provide everything you need. Everything you need to trust Him. Let me read to you John chapter 16. I'll start in verse 19. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you will see me no more? And then after a little while you will will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. He is telling his disciples what the ultimate outcome is. He is giving them the very foundation to trust and by which they will throw up their hands and rejoice in every circumstance. Rejoice in every twist and turn, every dip and every fall. He continues in verse 21. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because her joy that a child is born into the world. You see, no one leaves a theme park and tells everybody what a terrible, horrible time they had at it. They speak of the exciting, the exhilarating experiences that they all share together. 
They were enjoying and celebrating the ups and downs, those twists and turns, experiences that you have births a joyful faith within you. You share a commonality of experience, and it is life-giving. Come on, you know what it's like that car ride home after you've been to the theme park? It is filled with all the different stories of this excitement. You can't wait to plan a return trip. You might even want to buy a season pass now. Man, this is worth it. I'm willing to pay really good money to get here again and again and again. You know what, church? Seasoned saints are the ones who go and buy season passes. They are the veterans who raise up their hands before there is ever an ascent because they are certain of the ultimate outcome. They have the confidence to throw up their hands and rejoice before anything begins to happen. When we are in this state, we can stand confidently that we are in right relationship with God, inspire other people to do it, and teach disciples how to imitate exactly what we do. Revelation 19.7 says this, Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. See, our King... He will not marry those who saw the courtship process as excruciating. He will not marry the exiles of shame, whose only goal was to endure, and they failed even at that. I want you to remember, our king has cameras posted at the twists and turns of your life. And your picture, it will be posted For eternity. For all to see. It'll never fade. Our groom wants a bride to enjoy the exciting, exhilarating adventure. Because she trusts him. That's what he's looking for. I want to ask you a few things. Have you sought the Lord's ultimate outcome with hands raised, prayer and petition? So you can exhibit excitement, exhilaration and enjoyment. On the faith ride? Or does your present condition demonstrate your very lack of faith? Is Eliphaz here reminding you that you have edified others to stand up in their faith and enjoy what God is doing? And now you need to take your own advice? Do you need to throw up your hands in heavenly excitement, executing the dangerous doubt inside of you so that heavenly hands can reach down and strengthen you? Let's stand to our feet. As you contemplate these questions, the Lord begins to move you. Now is a time to throw up your hands. Now is a time to seek the Lord for salvation. Now is the time to seek the Lord for the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Lord, as I raise up my hands, I need your hands to strengthen me. Now is the time for healing. Is it time for the kingdom of God to come down and take place inside of you to make it an exciting ride? Lord, we thank you for your name. We thank you for your power and your word that strengthens us, mighty God. You strengthen our hands, you strengthen our needs, and we throw up our hands to you. And we say you are the God who saves. 
You are the God who fills. You are the God who heals. We need your strength, mighty God, and we are certain of your ultimate outcome. Come and fill this place. Come and fill us. Come and heal us, mighty God. In the name of Jesus, amen.